0: Well, what's going on this morning, Coastal? How are you guys doing today? <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us today as we are in the last week of a series we're calling Love Handles. Before we dive into today, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online, everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? They <laughs> were so glad that you're with us today. We love you guys. And uh, man, there's, there's a lot of things going on here. Hey, listen, we... It, here in or in Parkland, I don't even know where I am, uh, we, we still have people coming in. So if you have some seats next to you, if you don't mind sliding in a little bit and creating some room so as those people come in, we can try to seat them. Uh, uh, again, uh, if you're a guest here with us, we're so thankful. If you come to church here every single week and you can go to any other service besides 10.15 and 11.30, we we will bribe you with, like, if you come to 12.45, we'll give you pizza and ice cream afterwards. Like, we, we'll, we're just trying to get some people out of this room, uh, not because we don't want you at church, just maybe in a different service. It would help us out a lot until we get, get into our new space where we can house all of you guys together. Uh Before we dive into today, I want to let you guys know that as a church, I'm so thankful for your generosity, for your love for people, because we know that Hurricane Ian has had some incredible devastation on the other coast, and because you guys are so generous, we're already able to be on the ground in in that area making a difference. In fact, I I got a text from a pastor yesterday uh, uh, for some of the efforts of what we're already doing that I want you guys to check out this screen. What's up, Coastal Family? Hey, Pastor Matt Keller with Next Level Church in Fort Myers here. And as you can see, that is your truck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are on the ground serving thousands of people today, and your resources are making a gigantic difference for us. So, Pastor TJ and Shayla, we love you. We're so thankful for your longtime friendship. And we're just so thankful that we get to pastor our state together. So Coastal, your generosity is making a gigantic difference. Thank you, we love you. We're so grateful we're in this together. Like it's, uh, you, you, Shayla and I come from the other coast and so we have tons of relationships. And in every pastor, I talked to a pastor yesterday that, that they actually had to abandon their home in Northport because they, they had water up to their chest. Um, their, their church, they're not even sure if it's standing there. Talked to another pastor this morning that's in, in, in Venice area where pretty much it's the most, it's, it's devastation zone number one right now. In fact, they had I-75 shut down because the Mayaka River was rising and, and taking things out. I mean, it, it's bad. This is not gonna be something that's gonna be over in a week or two this is going to be a long-term endeavor. And so we're going to have a lot of opportunities for us to be able to go and serve. A lot of you guys have asked, well, if I want to go and make a difference, you can you can text that number right there, or you can scan that QR code. We'd love for, as soon as they're allowing teams to go over, we'll be sending teams. We're going to continue to send resources to them. We're, we're sending money to places because we know that the, the fastest way that they can get relief in people's hands is get money in their hands so they can get them whatever they need. And so we're, we're going to be adamant about this because a couple of years ago when the hurricanes hit the Bahamas, we, we sent a lot of money to the Bahamas to take care of people down in the Bahamas. These, this is our; These are our people in Florida. These are friends and families and, and co-workers that, that are, are, are very integrated into our lives. And I think we should be the most generous church when it comes to helping people in need, because the church is the main efforts of relief efforts in these areas. And we want to support the church, because if that happened to us, We'd want everybody to do that for us, wouldn't we? Yeah. Come on, I'll shake your heads. You know you would. Yeah. If you lost everything and you had water six feet in your house, you'd want people showing up and taking care of you. Yeah. Well, this is our opportunity to show up and take care of other people. And, and so let's be the church of Jesus Christ and, and make a difference in the world. And I'm just going to let you know, if this is how you're going to respond today, I'm going to preach way better than you're going to respond. <laughs> so y'all are going to have to help me out. Are you guys awake today? Okay, that didn't sound like it. Let me try this again. Are you guys awake today? Okay, there we go. That's much better. Well, we're in our final week of a series we're calling Love Handles, and I'm gonna talk about what I think is probably one of the most important areas that we can get a handle on love in And I wanna talk to us today about our, our family dynamics, our, our parenting, our, our marriage relationships, because we, we just heard a song by a guy named Kenny Chesney. That wasn't actually him, if you're wondering. Uh, but... It, it's called Here Go There Goes My Life because it, it's all about if you listen to the words, it's about how fast it goes when you're a parent. They're born one day and before you know it, they're out the house the next. And you've got a limited time frame to make a difference in their life. You've got a limited time frame to instill them with some values and with some principles that are gonna make an eternal difference in their life today. And we're gonna be looking at a passage of scripture out of Mark chapter 10, if you wanna turn in your Bibles there, uh, where Jesus is encountering some some kids. And this is what it says, starting in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But when the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him, when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me, Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. And in this one story, we see Jesus encountering Little children, and and out of this, there are three unchanging principles that I think apply to every parent-child relationship, every child-parent relationship, every husband-wife relationship. In fact, I would say they apply to almost every relational context we have in life. That if we're going to have healthy, thriving relationships, there have got to be some of these elements inside of those relationships. If you're taking notes today, what you should, number one is this, is there's gotta be a loving touch. A loving and appropriate touch communicates such a rich sense of unconditional love and acceptance. In verse 13, it says that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. Now, why were they bringing the children to Jesus? Because there is power in loving and appropriate touch there there's just power in it in fact for years because i i grew up not necessarily like fully engulfed in church. And then when I got in church, I was very much in a charismatic church. So my experience with church was what you see on TBN kind of preachers where they have the crazy hair and and they're always touching people. And and then people are doing weird things. And you're like, well, I don't understand why that's happening. So when I would read scriptures like this, I would think to myself, you know, so the picture I would have in my mind is, is people are bringing their children to Jesus. And Jesus is going in the name of the Father and in the name of me and in the name of the Holy Spirit be healed. And then kids are convulsing or falling to the ground or something like that. But that isn't actually what was happening and taking place in this scripture. As you study that word touch, if you were to go back to the original Greek, it's the word hapatome, which means to attach oneself to, or to embrace, or to touch. So literally what it's saying is, is Jesus was there like a father with open arms with the children, like, hey, come on. And he would, he would embrace them and he would sit them on their lap and He would give them an affectionate and appropriate touch that was very, very relational for their life. Now, here's why this is so important, because there's power in our touch. And a lot of us don't realize that there's power in our touch. In fact, I found this story about a 13th century king named King Frederick II, he decided one day that he wanted to do an experiment on kids. And he wanted to know, like, what would the language of children be if they never had anyone talking to them? Like if they never heard other people speaking. So what he did is he took 50 babies that were newborn and he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to see what their language would be. And here are the instructions of the caretakers that were with him. He said, you, you can feed them, you can change their diapers, but you're not to talk to them, you're not to soothe them, you're not to pick them up and hold them and care for them. You're just to, just to be silent around them. Now, within the first year of that experiment, every single one of those children died. Now, it's interesting because they didn't die because of a lack of physical nourishment, Because they were getting fed and they were getting their diapers changed. Why did they die? It was a lack of emotional and relational support. It was the lack of loving touch, which is really interesting because they didn't have the touch that was so important to them. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys would say like, Man, I, I, I'm pretty good at showing uh, affection through touch. Like, I, I, I'm i that kind of person. Like, I, I'm an affectionate person with my touch. Okay, quite a few. How many of you guys are like, uh, I, I'm not a touchy-feely kind of person. Like, I don't, I don't want anybody touching me. I, I don't want anything to do with it. Come on, raise your hands. Where are you at? It's okay, raise your hands so you identify yourself so nobody touches you. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I, I don't play these stupid games, Pastor. Like, I'm, I don't, I, I, like, I don't even like touch. I'm not even gonna... I'm not even gonna get it on your level. Like, I, I get it because I'm, I'm not big on, on touch either. Like, I'm not really going there. I'm not a touchy-feely kind of guy. In fact, I even made up some of my own rules when it came to touch. Josh, can I borrow you real quick? Like, like I, think, I think appropriate. To, in fact, if you know me, you know that, that what I do for most, most of you guys, when you're walking in, what do I do? I, I like a high five. <laughs> quick touch. There we are. That's all the emotion we're getting out of this relationship right there where it's in and out, boom, in and out. Like, but but then if I'm having like a holy, holy moment, here's a really holy moment for me, it's a handshake, maybe an embrace of the elbow, look you in the eyes, like that's a holy moment for me with you like we we've gotten somewhere in our relationship if we get to that level but what I realized being a pastor is some of y'all are touchy whether you admit it or not and so you're not you're not satisfied with a high five or a handshake you want to go in for hugs and so so th- this is what you do you go in and it's two pass right and you release that's that's appropriate touch right there can we can we all agree on that but some of you guys what you do is you come in and you embrace see see Josh he went with both arms right there i did not give him permission like, I didn't want to go that deep in the relationship, but Josh just went there. He didn't give me an option. He didn't give me a choice. He just went there, and, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I'm not rev- ready for that level of intimacy right now, Josh, okay? So, so like, we do that, but, but, but what happens is because we, 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 we don't do touch, and we, we don't do that. We, we, we have all these things where we go, well, you know what? Because I'm not touchy-feely, because I'm not those things, I'm not going to give that to my spouse. I'm not going to do that with my children. Like, it's just not how I roll. Well, just because that isn't how you roll doesn't mean that they don't need it. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to learn how to give it. Just like when I'm having a really, really great day for Josh, I'll go in and it'll be one, two, three, four, and then then we're good. Like, we've gone the distance there. Thank you, Josh. And so we have to understand that there, there is a, there's a level of touch that we have to learn to be because it's so important for the people that we care about most in our lives. In fact, in Mark chapter six, verses 56, it says, talking about Jesus, he went into the villages and the towns and the countrysides and they placed the sick in, in, there and they begged just to touch his cloak And it says, all who touched him were healed. Now, I did a word study this week when it came to the word touch and Jesus. And there are 20 times in the New Testament where Jesus and touched are are in the same phrasing. And every single time that Jesus and touch are together, there is healing that takes place in every single one of those instances. Why? Because there is power in loving and appropriate touch. And I also did some research on parents and children. And I found this out that that preteen girls and teen girls, their need for loving and appropriate touch parents, it increases, but here's the problem. Dads, a lot of times, get weighed down because their little daughter's bodies are now changing and becoming woman-like. And all of a sudden, there is because there's changes that are taking place, they don't, they don't want to be, they, they're like, ooh, I don't really know. And so what they have a tendency to do in that season of their life is they have a tendency to distance themselves because they're a little bit uncomfortable. But sometimes we have to get uh, uncomfortable to do what's best for our children in life. Dad, it is during this time that their their need increases and you've got to be fully engaged and fully loving with appropriate touch because it's most important in this age because if they're not getting loving and appropriate touch from somebody that they can trust, then that means they'll go and look for loving and inappropriate touch from somebody that doesn't, isn't very trustworthy. It's an important thing for dads. But it isn't just for little girls that this is appropriate because they actually say in the studies that that girls actually get five times more appropriate touch in those years than than boys do. And boys need it just as much. It's just that as they get older, they want to display it a little bit differently because I know this, when, when kids are two, three, four, five years old, man, they love a hug from their mom. They're, they enjoy that, but the time they get eight, nine, or 10, they're like, ooh, that's not cool anymore, mom. Come on, moms, you know what I'm talking about. It's not cool for the hug. You know what is cool for them? Headlocks. <laughs> wrestling. Secret handshakes. Picking them up and slamming them onto the couch. It, they, want, they need the same touch, I'm not talking about child abuse or anything here. I'm not just, (laughs) let me just. just. (laughs) They need the same touch. It's just displayed differently based on who they are. Because loving and appropriate touch is such an important part. And listen, this isn't just for your children. This is for your marriage as well. Guys, I know so many of you you think it's appropriate to go, "Hey, honka 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 babe," and you think that that's appropriate touch. My wife informed me that it's not. It doesn't turn her on. I don't I thought it did all these years, but I was wrong. I know I'm not the only guy that thought that was appropriate, okay? Just be honest. I went to butt squeezing, but she said that wasn't appropriate either, so. (laughs) 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 That's what it leads to, see, that's just. (laughs) No, 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 she goes, you can have appropriate, like, not all touch has to be sexual. I know, I'm about to blow some guys' minds right now. (laughs) Like, just hold her hand just put your hand on her leg and listen it doesn't have to go anywhere Amen. i know some of y'all are like i don't i don't believe that i don't i don't even think i can do that listen you can do all things through christ <laughs> who gives you strength number 2 abundant time how do you spell love t i m It says people were bringing the little children to Jesus and having him touch them. It says the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, man, he was ticked. And he said, man, let them come. Bring them on. Why was Jesus mad? Because he wanted to spend time with those kids. And time is such an interesting thing in our day and age and society today. Like we are a busier generation than it has ever been on the face of the earth just a couple of stats that I thought might be interesting to hear. The average mom spends one hour and 47 minutes with their child every single day. The average dad spends one hour. And in that one hour for dads, the typical dad has 37 seconds of engaged, meaningful conversation with their child each day. I couldn't find a number for moms. Apparently it's higher. The average family spends 32 minutes Together a day. And let's just talk real world because those of you that are married with kids that are working two jobs, like man, there's a lot going on. It's hard. But let's take it up another level because there, there are single parents that are out there that that aren't just working one job, but they're working two jobs, sometimes more. And somehow they're still able to feed, get clothes on in the right direction get their kids to school and do all the tasks that are necessary to make it happen. And honestly, single parents, man, y'all are my heroes. I have no idea how you do it. You guys are absolutely ridiculous, incredible. Like you have none of the emotional support there, but yet you give all the support you can. It, it, but if we aren't careful, wherever you are, whether you're a single parent or you're a, 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 a two parent home, we can come up with excuses and say, well, I don't have really the time to spend with my kids. I don't have time to go out on a date with my spouse. And what we have are excuses. And let me just tell you right now, there is no good excuse for you not having time for your kids and you not having time for your spouse. And when you say, I, I, I don't have time, I've just learned that you have time for what's important to you. Period. And listen, I get it. You're a good person and you really care. And so in your heart, you say, I care, but I'll get to that in a little while. When there's time, I'll do it. In fact, you, you'll go, you know, when I, when I finish up this degree or this program, then I'll spend time with my wife or my children or, you know, when, when, when I finally get this debt load that's on me, off of me, then I'll have time to do all the things that are necessary with my children. Or, or, or when I get this promotion at my job, then I'll have time this December to spend with the family. And let me tell you right now, if you don't decide now, you're likely not going to do it. You have to choose what you have time for. The problem is, is you love your family in your heart. You just don't love them in your schedule. And the problem is, is your family can't see your heart. They just see your schedule. In fact, Billy Graham, who is arguably maybe the, the greatest Christian that ever lived, they asked him this question near the end of his life. They said, man, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And you would have thought that Billy Graham would have said, well, I would have gone and done 10 more crusades so I could have reached tens of thousands of people for the gospel. Or or I would have have gone and and, and done done another pastoral uh, center where I could train up the next generations of leaders, but that isn't what he said. You would have thought that he would have said, I would have wrote three more books that would have been New York Times bestsellers, but he didn't say I would have wrote more books. You know what Billy Graham said if I had to do it all over again? He says, although I have much to be grateful for, as i I look back over my life, I also have many regrets. I have failed many times, and I would do many things differently. For one thing, I would speak less and study more, and I would spend more time with my family. Abundant time. He says, man, I spend time with God, and I spend time with my family, my wife, and my children. Church is about prioritizing our life around what matters most. And reprioritizing your life around your family isn't just a good idea, it's a God idea. Like, nowhere in Scripture are you commanded to lay down your life for your 401k. Like, nowhere in Scripture does it say to love your career like Christ loved the church. No, it says that we are actually to love our family and do our job. But when you love your job and you do your family, you've not only stepped out of the bounds of your family life, you've actually stepped out of bounds when it comes to God's will for your life. And I get it. We're busy. I, I, as a pastor, I try to be a part of every big moment in people's lives. I get invited to do a lot of things and be at a lot of things. And I want to do every single one of those because I, I love you and I care about you. And I want to be a part of those moments in life. But if I do all those things and, and, and sacrifice my family, I've done the wrong thing. And a lot of us think that, man, if I do all these things, then it's going to be better for my family. And what you're actually doing is you're sacrificing your family on the altar of work or success or achievement. Because you think in your mind that you have all the time in the world. And I love what James says. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then it's boom, gone. Like, you don't have... All the time in the world. And so you have to build your life around what matters most. Don't trade your role of parenting and husbanding that no one else can do for a role at work that they will replace you in in one week. Because no one else can be your child's mother or father and nobody else can be your spouse's husband or wife. In fact, I believe somebody needs to hear this today because you think your greatest achievement is going to be at work. I love what Andy Stanley says. He, he says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something you do, but someone you raise. Okay. And parents, you're raising up a generation in your home right now that is, that is the future of our world. It's not just the future of tomorrow. They're, they're, the, they're right now, they're today. So how are we investing in them in our loving touch in our abundant time? And number three, encouraging talk. In verse 16, it says, he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. And I I, I love that. I always wonder, like, what did God say right there? Like, what did he say that was such a blessing? I'm sure it was something super encouraging, super life-giving, super that just lifted them up in life. And I think one of the greatest things that we could do for our, our marriages, our friendships, our parenting, is to speak words of life rather than words of death into our children's life. In fact, one of the greatest things that you can do for your children is speak words of life to your spouse. Because how you speak to your spouse is eventually how they're going to speak to their spouse. Like, they're just mimicking you. In fact, this, this isn't any, any other service, but do you know that your, your children learn how to drive at the age of five? Based on how you drive. You wonder why your kid's crazy in the car? That's you. People are like, that wasn't me. Yes, it was. That's why they're acting that way. Like, they are a byproduct of what you have done, not what you're doing today. And so what are the words that you're speaking? Because they're going to be a byproduct of the words that you're speaking. We recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to have our foster son with us, Alexander, and... Uh, it's always interesting because in the home where he lives with his biological dad uh, is, is a very fearful home. Like every time we get him, he's scared to death to do all kinds of things that normal kids would typically love and enjoy doing. And so every time we get him, it's like, man, we, we, have, to, we have to go over the top to convince him that he's going to do something that he's actually going to love. He just doesn't know that he's going to love it yet. And so we, we had him, and we decided to go right over here in Parkland to Liberty Park, and they have a splash pad there, and, and, and we thought that this was going to be a great idea, and then we remembered that he doesn't like water on his face, and so every time water hits his face, some of you parents know what I'm talking about, like you have to wipe his face off or otherwise there's a meltdown, and, and, but he found that they had these water cannons over there where he could squirt other kids in the face, and he thought that was great. <laughs> We're teaching them really well at our home, and, uh, and and so like we were teaching them that's not very nice. Like we're trying to teach them like do nice to people. Don't don't be mean. And and so he was bullying some little girl with a squirt gun. It was like no 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 buddy, let's not do that. Uh, and and so but there's this little slide that's there, this water slide, and, and he's seen all these other kids go up and slide down and having a great time, and and I watch him. He goes up the stairs, and and he looks down, and he he gets scared, and he comes back down. He goes up the stairs and he gets scared and he comes back down. I said, buddy, are you going to go down the slide? He goes, he goes pop, pop, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared. It's scary, pop, pop. My name is pop, pop, if you haven't figured that out yet. I said, buddy, you can do this. You're, you're so brave. You're so strong. You got this, buddy. He's like, no, pop pop is scary. I said, what if, what if pop pop does it with you? I'll go. I'll hold your hand on the side, and and we'll do it together. We can be brave together. He's like, oh, okay. And so he he goes up there, and and he's standing there. He he sits down on it. And he's like, reaches out his arm. And I grab his arm over the slide, and, and I'm like, ready I'm one. He's like, pop pop, I'm scared. I'm like, it's gonna be okay, buddy. You've got this. You're strong. You're brave. You're gonna do it, and and. And finally he goes and I go down the slide, and because, uh, you know, I'm holding onto his arm, he, he, and the water so much, he kind of flips off the slide. It goes uh, off of it, hits his butt. And you know when kids, they have that moment where, where they, they, they get hurt and they're not sure if they should cry or they should laugh. It's it's like one of those moments. And so I've learned as a parent that what you do right then is I made up a celebration dance. So he thinks it's a good thing. So, so I start doing our dance. He gets up, we do our dance together because we always celebrate when he does big things like that it's awesome, buddy, you're you're awesome, you're smart, you're good looking, every girl's gonna want you. I'm like, I'm just an encouraging dad. Like, you've got game, you don't even know what game is. I'm like, you got it all. I'm like, buddy, let's do it again. He's like, oh. It's scary. I'm like, come on, buddy, let's do it again. And he gets up there, and I'm like, buddy, I'm not going to hold your hand this time. I, I, I just want you to slide. I'll be right here at the bottom for you. And, and because I'm not holding his hand, and he's not very good at sliding on the slide yet, but with the water, it's like extra. He like jets off of it and skids like eight feet past it. It's like, it, it was awesome if we would have gotten a video, but we didn't. And, and, and again, we do the dance, and I'm like, oh, that's, you're so brave. You're so awesome. Before the end of the day, man, he's running up there doing it all by himself. Why? Because every person needs somebody that believes in them and builds them up and encourages them and speak words of life. In fact, if you were to look at Jesus' life, there's two instances where the God of the universe speaks down audibly to his son Jesus while he's on the earth. Now, I would think that if God is going to speak to Jesus, he's going to audibly, he's going to give him some sort of instruction. He's going to give him some sort of task to do. Like, if I'm going to waste my words in that moment, like, I want them to be the best words possible to make a difference. And, And the God of the universe, when he has a moment to speak to his son for everybody else to hear, he says the same thing twice. In both instances. And this is what he says, this is my son. Whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. What's he doing right there? He's saying, this is my son. He's going, hey, I, I, I'm going to give him a, his identity right here. I, what every child needs is they need their parents to go, this is who you are. You're my son. Whom I love. He's going, man, I'm gonna, this, I love you. This is affection. Then he goes, with whom I'm well pleased. It's the encouragement, you're awesome, you've got this, you can do it. Why would God do that? Because He knew that's what every child needs from their father. From their mother, I know as a forty three year old man, the words that my parents spoke still have an impact in my life. In fact, the words they still speak impact my life. I recently had the opportunity to do a memorial service for a guy in our church. His name was Jason Jenkins. He's one of the vice presidents of the Dolphins, did incredible, incredible work in Broward and Miami-Dade kind of, I mean, just life was cut so short And uh, when his family asked me if I would be willing to do his memorial service, I was actually kind of at a loss for words because this wouldn't be a normal memorial service. This is being done at Dolphin Stadium, being broadcast all over the place through the internet and TV. And Jason had a profound impact everywhere he went in the NFL and in life. And I was with my mom and my stepdad and on the Sunday before it was that funeral on Monday and I was like, man, I, I, it's the first time in my life that I, I really haven't been able to come up with words to communicate the significance of his life and the impact he made and his love for God and his love for family. And I, I, I wanna honor his family and I wanna honor God. I wanna do it all and it's such a huge platform to be able to do this on, on a scale that I've never done. We went and did the funeral that day and it was ended up going absolutely amazing. And as soon as I got out with that funeral, I was getting texts from my mom and my stepdad. Man, we're so proud of you. How you communicated this and that. Man, it was such a great thing that you honored his life and you honored God and people were changed and transformed. 43 years old. Still means the world to me. Parents, this is a big deal. Parents, you've got one chance time, talk, touch. For those of you that go, yeah, 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 whatever, I've got a lot going on. I'll have time for that later. Let me just tell you this. Next time you have a baby, take that little baby boy or that baby girl in your arms. And as you're holding them, I I want you to take a mental picture of that baby in your arms. And I want you to blink. And when you open your eyes, that little baby that you are holding in your arms will be taking their first step. And I want you to memorialize that moment in your mind, and I want you to blink. Because when you open your eyes, that baby that was taking their first step will be getting on the bike for the very first time without training wheels and riding out of your driveway. And I want you to take a mental picture of that and I want you to blink. And the moment you open your eyes, that same baby that was on the the bike heading out the driveway will be getting in the car for the first time and driving away. And you'll learn how to pray like you've never prayed before, parents. Parents. And I want you to take a mental picture and I want you to blink. Because when you open your eyes, that same baby that you held in your arms will be driving away to college, will be driving off after just getting married, will be moving away for that very first job. Just blink. Some of you guys think I'm being over dramatic in that, but listen, parents, just blink. It's blank. You want to have an incredible family life? You want to have success in relationships? Affectionate touch, abundant time, encouraging words. Apply it to every dynamic of relationships in your life and watch how these principles transform everything for everyone. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I just come before you and I thank you that you're a God that meets us where we're at right here and right now. And here's what I know is that no matter where we're at on the spectrum of our relational world, whether we're married, we're married with children, where our kids have moved out, no matter what it is, we can look around. We're single. It doesn't matter. We can look at our life and go, you know what, maybe I'm not as efficient in all of those areas. In fact, maybe I'm deficient in some aspects. And here's what I would ask. Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to reveal the areas where maybe we haven't done as good of a job as we can in our relational world. And that you would challenge us not to be informed of that information, but that we would begin to have transformation that we begin to show affectionate touch, that we would have encouraging words that are coming out of our mouth, that we would rearrange and reprioritize our schedules around what matters most in life. Because we want to connect in a deeper level than we've ever connected before. Because family is so important to you, God. God should be important to us. But here's what I know is that maybe there's some of you out there that as I'm talking about family, you're like going, I don't, I don't have any family. Do you know that there's a family that's been longing for you and wanting you all of your life and it's called the family of God? And God so loved you that he made a way where there was no way through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, man, I'll, I'll give the ultimate sacrifice so you can be connected in family. A family that will see you and look at you and go, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and with them I'm well pleased. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer of recognizing who Jesus is and what he wanted to do for your life so that you wouldn't have to be distant from God, but so that you could be a part of the family of God. And if that's you out there today, whether you're in Lighthouse Point, watching online, or right here in Parkland, and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ? I need to be a part of that family. Maybe you were at one point, and you walked away, and you need to come back into the family of God. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise those hands. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I see you over there. Thank you. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you. Three. Anybody else? I see you all the way in the back. Four. Thank you. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me, for wanting me to be a part of your family, that you would give the ultimate gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the incredible sacrifice that he made on the cross. To forgive my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my past. Change my present and secure my future by coming to my heart. And not just being my Savior, but being my Lord. God, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I love you. Thank you for adopting me into your family. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.